okay, pray, really, we thank the Lord for an amazing year that God has given our body. So many people have given their hearts to Jesus, number one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And that is our goal and objective. I want to thank every one of you. I don't know. Some of you may not know who we are. We're Brad and Daniil Snowden, and we're missionaries to Africa. And you all have been such a blessing praying for us when we're in country. Because I can tell you stories, and we can feel your prayers and the power and the anointing and the peace and the strength. You also have been a blessing to our people there in providing the phones and the computers. You have no idea. And the Bibles. Hallelujah. But I thank you for praying for us. But allow me right now, let us pray together over the word of God today for us. Heavenly Father, we can't, our hearts are full of gratitude. Thank you for the prophetic word you've given today that actually just adds to what we have to share. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for our salvation. Father, I pray you prepare every one of us, our hearts and minds and souls, to be, Lord, filled with more of you and to be changed to become like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're beginning a new series with John. Oh, is that new? (laughs) We're going to talk about John and the cross. There's the series. And in the book of John... It's a little bit different than the synoptic gospels, which synoptic is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is similar. John, who always was known to be close to Jesus, especially at the cross, he recorded what Jesus said and what he did. And the synoptics, sure, they recorded what he did, but also what he taught. John was an eyewitness to the cross. So much so that he heard the conversations that Jesus had and of the soldiers and what he had with the thieves. And even he heard even the conversation when Jesus talked to him. There are three themes that are covered in this message today. The one that really adheres to my heart is stay close to the cross. Stay close to Jesus, who is our life changer, our strength, and our hope. Another theme we will hear is God's timing is perfect, even when it doesn't look like it, and that there are no accidents in God. Timing is everything. And this is probably an underrated part of, of, of serving Christ is, you know, we, we want this, this, and this, and this, but, but God's timing is everything. And so God-orchestrated plan works out. And so as we go into uh, John 19, 17 through 24 today at the cross, you're going to see how God has laid out every single thing to accomplish what he needed to accomplish at the very moment it is. And, and I hope that in this it would give you an encouragement as you walk with him and, and follow in your faith that you can believe that God's timing is everything and is an utmost importance for our lives. So in this time, we find that 
It's the time of Passover and the time of the Sabbath combining together. And this place of the Passover commemorating the Israel leaving Egypt. When the death angel came over the land and passed over the homes that were covered by the blood of the spotless lamb over the doorposts. The Passover meal was to be eaten on the Sabbath. Thus, the preparation of it had to be before the sunset while it was still Friday. When the Sabbath starts and the sun goes down, there is no work to be done. So they couldn't prepare for what was to come because of that. And so in that, we see the timing of Jesus' death correlates to the time of the spotless Paschal lamb being slaughtered. This lamb was unblemished, a year-old lamb sacrificed at the temple. And when we look at the cross and we look at the timing of the crucifixion, Jesus had to die at the beginning of the Sabbath because capital punishment was prohibited on the Sabbath day. And this is why that the thieves' legs had to be broken so that they could die on time in that proper place. And this would point us then to the time that Jesus died, the ninth hour, as the word says, or 3 p.m., before the sunset. And as I was going through this, the reality or the place that God's timing was is so very important. So he died at 3 o'clock. Well, if the sun set there at 5 or whatever, couldn't it have been a little bit later? No, he had to die at 3 p.m. so that they could take the body off the cross and carry it and bury it before sunset because that would have been considered work and then that would have been unlawful. So we can see throughout this whole thing that God's timing is perfect. And if he was perfect in this, he can be perfect in his timing for me in my life and what I'm needing him to do in and through that. So when I hear a story or when we tell stories to our children or grandchildren, we create a setting, right? If anyone's been to college, you learn how to write. There's a setting or a play. And the setting here was there were so many people in Jerusalem being the capital. The goal for all Israelites was to try to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They all didn't make it, but it still added up, according to Josephus, that in Jerusalem, has anyone been to Jerusalem? I'm surely someone here. In Jerusalem, it's not that big, but there at that time was two to three million people. That's huge back then. And so here it is. It's loud. People are buying. I, I, you know, we, we go to, to, to very largely populated places, and it's, and it's loud, and people are exchanging, and they're screaming at each other, and it's crazy. It's just crazy. And then Jesus is there, carried, carrying his cross. Let's look at John 19, 17 through 18. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, 
one on either side. So in this setting, he's carrying the cross down a path called the Via Dolorosa, called the, the, the path of suffering and pain, known because this is the path that all the victims of crucifixion had taken. Jesus knew the path he was going to take, and he still took it. Hallelujah. And he walked this path, and it was narrow. I know that in, in Europe and in Africa and different places that we've been, the, it was very narrow. It was crowded. People were jeering. And, and he's also su- had suffered so much carrying the path down the Via Dolorosa. And this path was about a one-third of a mile. And for you football fans, that's about six and a half football fields. So he had to walk this path um, carrying the cross. In 1870, a French architect cataloged all the known fragments of this, of the true cross. And he determined that the cross that Jesus would have bore was about 165 pounds. It was 13 feet tall, and the cross member was six and a half feet wide. The Persians... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they, they started, they invented the crucifixion. But the Romans perfected it. They made it an institution. It's what it was. It was for the worst of criminals. It was for the lowest class of people. And get this, think about Jesus on the cross. The crucifixion was designed to make the victim die publicly slowly, with great pain, and with great humiliation. Carrying the cross, as it says in John nineteen seventeen, Jesus carried the cross. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they recorded that Simon the Cyrene helped Jesus carry the cross. And, and at that point, it would have been as they left the city gate because we know that Simon was coming in to celebrate the Passover, so scholars believe that they probably met at the city gate, and then he went on from there. And according to customs of the Romans, everyone had their own cross. And in Matthew 16, 24, if you recall, Jesus said, take up your cross. And follow me. Take up your cross. I can't expect, or we shouldn't expect, anybody else to carry our cross. Because Jesus said, take up your cross and what? Follow me. He laid out an example to what he taught us, his disciples, in this place. First, to deny himself. This is very important because at any moment in the, 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 the trials and so forth, Jesus could have stood up for himself. But Isaiah 53 and 7 said he did not open his mouth to complain or to defend himself. So We, we need to deny ourselves. 
to set aside selfish interests. And we know that through the example of him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will. Not my will. Not my plans. Not my ways. But yours, O God. So setting aside those selfish interests and taking up the cross. Having the willingness to endure whatever may come. That's not an easy task. Whatever may come, I'm going to walk this out. Whatever comes, whatever heart says, I'm going to walk this out. Jesus taught us to conform to his example in living, in suffering, and perhaps dying. That's not easy. When we look at the location of the cross, Many know that it was called Golgotha. It's called the place of the skull. And, and you see in the picture that it looks like a skull, right? But it was on a highway, the main highway in and out of Jerusalem. Do you remember what I told you? How populated it was at that time, where thousands were on this highway. And when people walked that highway, they, the Romans used it as an example that you better shape up people or this is what's going to happen. And most of the time before the Sabbath, the, the bodies on the cross would be remain and let them die slowly and publicly. So they're walking upon this. This is where Jesus will be hung. Who's at the cross? Of course, it's Jesus, right? Let's look at his physical state. He was suffering from severe, severe, severe blood loss. I won't go in detail today, but we know he was flogged and he lost a great amount of blood. It is, it is said in a lot of uh, the scholars that a great majority of the people that were flogged before they were going to be crucified actually died before they could even go forward. So he had a great amount of blood loss. But in Hebrews 9.22, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And we think about that for a moment. Without his blood, we would not have the forgiveness, the cleansing of our soul. Also, Jesus was dehydrated. We know he had lost his sleep because he prayed all night. He was arrested while he was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane. Of course, he's exhausted. And then his mental state. He was alone when he cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was burdened for his family when he cried out to John, please, basically saying, take care of my mother who is now yours. And he was full of love for the sinner when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. But let's focus on the most powerful all with Jesus, his spiritual state. He was focused. He was focused on finishing the course. He was infused with strength from his heavenly Father to be able to endure and then he was living out in obedience from his heavenly father. He was living out his sole purpose 
to save the world for sin. Of course, there were the soldiers, Roman soldiers, cold. They conducted their jobs as a job, had no, no feeling whatsoever for the, the people that were being crucified. John and Mary, mother of Jesus, there. the crowds, as we've alluded to before, thousands and thousands of people in that area, and the two thieves, the criminals. Isaiah 53 and 12 says, willing to pour out his life unto death, was identified with the transgressors. This was no accident that he was crucified between two thieves, two common criminals. No accident. And he was labeled therein as one of those criminals. Now we look at Pilate. A dandy old guy, wasn't he? John 19, 19-22, Pilate also wrote an inscription on a placard and put on the cross, and it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. Remember when we told you that? And this was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Oh, but the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. But Pilate, he replied, what I have written, I have written. And it remains written. Kind of like me when I talk to my kids. What I have said, I have said, and it is written. No, Pontius Pilate was the fifth Roman governor of the Judea province, serving under Emperor Tiberius. And as we read this, this story in all the Gospels, we see that he's, he's reluctant to crucify Jesus. All the others, they were murderers, or they were thieves, or they were starting to, trying to start a rebellion. And what did this guy do? But he did. His wife, as we remember, if any of you have read God's Word, she had dreams about Jesus, and she pleaded with her husband, don't have anything to do with him. An early Christian theologian named Tertullian even said this, Pilate, maybe in his older age, uh, became convinced of, of the, the divine nature of Jesus and possibly, possibly became a Christian. So his heart was, he was, something was going on with him. Pilate's inscription in which he wrote himself. Some scholars say that this was his way of making a statement of his own heart in his belief. And he possibly hoped that Jesus' authority might continue. Note the belief system of the Romans in comparison to the Jews. Pilate was a Roman citizen. Romans were polytheistic, believing in, in and worshiping many gods and goddesses. 
in opposition of the Jewish monotheistic beliefs. The Romans would often sacrifice animals, their slaves, and prisoners for their gods. And every criminal that had their specific inscription carried with their cross. And they nailed to the cross. Which was the description of their specific crime. This was very important in the reality that each one of them had their inscription written out. They would place it around their neck and then they would carry their cross. They would be led up to the place and everybody who saw their face could read exactly what they had done, a murderer or whatever it is. It's very important for them to understand and grow in it. And so, the reality is, here they were in that place. And for this, I'm wondering how much of our time is spent And, and how, how much, much do we carry around our, on our placard what we were before Christ? The enemy wants us to be reminded that maybe we were unlovable. Maybe the fact that there was whatever going on in our life, we were unloved and so forth. In reality, when we take on Christ, when we accept Christ, we put a different placard. I am loved. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. See, and this is what the power comes in our lives is, as in Christ, we have a, a different placard placed around our neck. Amen. And what a blessing that is. Pilate's inscription, very important, was basically saying that Jesus was not dying to any crime of his own. He didn't die because of something that he actually did. He died or the sign that should have said he was dying for the truth of who he was. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It was no mistake what Pilate put on that inscription. It was a truth being portrayed to every single person that saw Jesus walking along the way. They were there when he was crucified. They were bearing witness of the truth. He died for who he was. He was nailed to the cross with the inscription above of who he was. And who he is in our life. 
looking at those inscriptions in three different languages. Many of you have possibly traveled to other countries. When you get to see English somewhere, and we get so excited when we can read something when we're in Africa and it's not in Swahili or whatever, and it may be something like KFC <laughs> or Coca-Cola. <laughs> Actually, I think Dr. Pepper's over there. And I don't even, but they're also, some of the buses, they, 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 put every, they, they put all kinds of signs on everything. And it will say, Jesus is Lord. I'm like, wow, this is cool. It, 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 I can read it. It made us excited. So having it in your own language, Pilate was making sure the word got around that everybody knew what was happening here. He said, let's look at it. It was written in Hebrew, the Israeli national language. Tenney said, it's for the Jews who glorified the law. But what did Jesus say? I come to fulfill the law. It was written in Greek, the common language and the nationalities. And the Grecians who glorified in wisdom. But God is the author of all wisdom. And it was written in Latin, the Roman official language. That means it's saying, hey, Romans, take a gander. Look. And it's, it's for the Romans who most glorified in dominion and power. But who is all-powerful? <laughs> Jesus. Because now he sits on the throne, doesn't he? Then the soldiers took his garments. In John 17, 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer clothes and made four parts, a part for each soldier in the tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top throughout. And so they said one to another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it will be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments, clothing among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. They were doing this for their own gain. But also, they were doing it to fulfill the scriptures. They were doing it to complete the process, to, to accomplish what Jesus had come to do. The Roman soldiers also gambled for his clothing for their own purpose again because they thought if they had it, they could go to the deceased family and get money for it. And the soldiers who carried out their execution had all the right to their clothing. But let's look at this deeper. We're talking about Jesus, who's the Son of God, who's all-powerful. He's so strong that he let them, in my opinion. He let them because he knew he had an agenda. And he let them take the last thing he owned on this earth, so to speak, his clothes. He let them hang him on a cross in true, full 
humility naked. He led them as an example of true love, selfless love, powerful love. And to fulfill, again, prophecy. Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. it said, They divide my clothing among them and cast lots for my garments. He fulfilled that. There were, all, there were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus, and guess what he did? He fulfilled that. That's our Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think I came to do away with or undo the law or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but what? To fulfill the law. Some of you may have testimonies, and we experienced this today, uh, personal prophecies over our own lives by a true man or woman of God that you, you know walk the life, and they start to speak a word over you. And they say this and that. That actually confirms already what God has kind of been whispering in your spirit. And that word comes, and then you move on with life, and you're obeying and walking in God's will, and boom, you realize, wow, this was prophesied over me. This is life-changing. I am aligned to what God has called and purposed me to do. Same with Jesus. He was aligned Absolutely perfect, even at the right time, like Brad shared, during the Passover. Oh, I'm still going. So he, he, he had a lot to do, and he said, you did. Uh, my question is, and I know this sermon probably has gone by quickly, but how do we do this life? You ever sit and just say, God, I don't know how to do it. As a pastor's wife, many, uh, throughout the years, like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to live in selflessness. I'm sick of being humbled. <laughs> Seriously, laying it all down. How do we do this? How, how do we go about? Lord, this is hard. We stay near the cross. You know, John walked a difficult road after Jesus died and rose from the dead, and he walked in his purpose in his life. He was persecuted, tormented, and suffered. He was isolated. He stayed near the cross. He lived in the shadow of the cross. That's how we do it. We remember all that Jesus had done by staying near the cross. Some of you may know Fanny Crosby. She's written many hymns throughout her life that we sung in church growing up. And the song, Near the Cross, she wrote. I'll, I will read verse 1. It says, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Is that our prayer? Do you want that to be your prayer? Jesus, keep me near the cross of Jesus. There a precious fountain. It's free to all, and a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. But verse 3, near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk day to day with its shadows 
over me. How do we do this life? We recognize this is the way. For anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus as your Savior, as your first love, as your Lord, as your King, your everything, this is the way, the way of the cross. This is a way of finding your true life purpose. And believe it or not, it's the way of hope and joy and peace and power. I can keep going. And strength. Jesus said in, in, in Mark 16, 23, and I can picture him turning around and looking at all of us right now. Take up your cross and follow me. I believe when this was led by the Spirit of the Lord about the cross, and the Lord confirmed it today in the Word before we came up, follow me, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's through the cross we'll find power. We'll find his promise. And we'll find purpose. I'm going to ask the prayer team, if they will, to go ahead and... And I want to encourage you strongly. First of all, don't go one more day without knowing Jesus, the one who loves you most, the one who cares for you the most, who is all-powerful. Our brothers and sisters here will love on you, and they will pray with you, and they will lead you to, to join the kingdom of God. But there are those of us who are saying, I love Jesus, and he's in my heart, but I hear the heart cry when he's saying, follow me. I need to take up my cross and live out my total life purpose. I want to encourage you, don't hesitate. Don't worry about who's next to you to come and go to our prayer team, and they will pray with you. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we love you. Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord.